0: Your beauty is our duty.
1: Welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio. With your host Hurricane Age here, new day, new show, new topic, new guest. Still in the same uh, model of discussion, and today again we're talking about patient advocacy. And uh, I have with me a guest who is going to take us uh, through a journey. And uh, she is an advocate. She is passionate about this topic. She is also an author, writer of uh, of a book that you know that will inspire you, that will guide you, and help you eventually maybe face some of the dilemmas that, you know, she personally had faced and, and knows that other people may have uh, challenges and uh, out there in the healthcare. So healthcare is actually having, uh, you know, just just in general, tough time in a lot of ways. And uh, sometimes navigating the system can be hard and having access can be hard, knowing what to do, uh, patient rights and all this stuff can be complex. And so uh, today, again, uh, our guest is going to shed some lights on that and, and give us some real uh, spin on things and and based on her true experience, which is, uh, you know, uh, something that you had to deal with uh, for a few years, I guess, and uh, for some time, and uh, she took it upon herself to take this mission on the road. So with me today, uh, Melissa uh, Malanfi, and uh, she is going to help us today. So Melissa, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure. So first things first, I know you and I Briefly discuss a little bit, you know, something inspired you to do this, uh, this work. Let's talk about that. Who is Melissa? How you got into this? I know you have a background in psychology, so that's, that's an interesting, you know, background that got you to this journey. So let's take, take us uh, from, the, from the top, you know, from everything, in the beginning to now, and, and what happened, the stories behind this. And then also, let's talk about the healthcare today, post COVID, uh, pre and post. I mean, there's a lot of changes that happen in this world. So let's go over that. What sure,
2: sure. Um, my background is, um, as, as we spoke, it's, it's a little eclectic. Um, you know, I have a master's in psychology, but I worked in corporate America 20 years. I did a lot of nonprofit for veterans. Um, I worked in psychiatric emergency rooms. I worked in step down houses. I worked with addictions, found myself again in corporate America on a totally different angle for 20 years because that's what paid the bills. Um, what brought me on this journey uh, for patient advocacy is, you know, in May of 2010, my mom called me, I just got back from uh, vacation and she was saying she had a stomachache. So, you know, me playing doctor, I was like, all right, my, you know, my mother would never go to the emergency room. My mom was waiting tables uh, the night before. She was 68 when she passed away. She was walking around with trays full of spaghetti the night before, never went to the doctor, you know, her generation, they're called the silent generation. They're not doctor people. They don't want to be burdens. Um, my mom never went to a gynecologist since she had me, she was diagnosed when I was 39 and she didn't want to go then, but she didn't have a choice. Um, we brought her to the emergency room. We got her to go and, um, you know, she, her stomach was very distended and, and I had seen her a week before and I didn't notice it. Um, because she's wearing like extra large shirts. So when she got to the ER, um, the doctor took one look at her and, you know, did a CAT scan. And again, you know, me and my sister were like, nah, it's it's probably nothing, you know, she's probably obstructed, you know, a little surgery, no big deal. And um, you know, when he came back with her results, while he was trying to say that, you know what they did was they found a 23 centimeter mass. And while his words said, you know, these things are usually benign, his facial expression and um, nonverbal communication said otherwise. And he asked to speak to my father and my mother privately. So, you know, that's when your heart drops and you're like, oh my God. Um, so that was, you know, in, in you know, one Saturday night in the hospital, uh, ER, she got discharged. They said, um, You know uh follow up with your general practitioner and um you know our general practitioner i call him dr cool in the book um he's old school and you know he lived right up the road i called him on a cell phone you know you know dr dr cool you know what's going on here and you know don't worry missy it's it's probably benign you know we'll see you monday so we um you know we did everything almost as a family unit um And so my dad, my sister, my son, who was a toddler at the time, you know, all go into my mom's general practitioner's office. And, you know, he takes one look at her and he's like, Oh my God, she looked like she was four or five months pregnant because ovarian cancer is what her diagnosis was. You, you, you get a distended abdomen because it fills with fluid. And um, again, he he was saying to us, you know, probably benign, you know, this this guy, they don't make them like, like him anymore. He was, you know, trying to, you know, keep us calm. But when we left the appointment, he also gave us two um, referrals to a gynecological surgeon oncologist and an oncologist. So when you get those referrals, (laughs) you want to think it's benign, but you still got the referrals. So, you know, what was I shouldn't be shocked, but was shocking to me at the time is, you know, we got these referrals, we're, we're all scared to death. Right. And, um, we had to make appointments. She had to be seen. I mean, she has 23 centimeter mass, you know? Um, and you know, you're just a file, man. I mean, you, you can call and say, listen, this was found in an ER, but you might still have to wait a couple of weeks to be seen. And, um, you know, with, with my, the way I operate my temperament, maybe it's just from just being from New York. That's, that's not a good answer. So, um, <clears throat> we, uh, it took us a while, but we wound up getting an appointment within, I would say a week's time, which was good considering. And, um, to make a long story short, um, she was, uh, diagnosed with ovarian, uh, cancer stage three C, um, the thing with ovarian cancer with women is it's called the silent killer for a reason, because a lot of women for the, the symptoms are very similar to GERD, like gastric reflux, um, people eat Tums, they, they might have a urinary tract infection, so they treat it. Uh, you know, even doctors will prescribe antacids and say, you're fine, see in a couple months. I mean, that's, that's just how it works. And unfortunately, because of that, and also because my mom never saw a doctor, um, a lot of times when women are diagnosed, they're staged out, they're not like usually one or two, they're, you know, three or four, Um, and there's no, like, um, there's no mammogram, there's no pre-screenings that you can do for ovarian. The only way to find out that you have it is either you showing symptoms like a big belly, like my mom had, and you get a CAT scan, or if, if you're lucky and you push, you can get an ultrasound and there is a blood test, but the blood test is more directional. And a lot of doctors aren't going to do it unless they really think there's a risk. So, all over my book, all over my blogs, I push, you know, if you have these three symptoms, don't take no for an answer, demand you get these things done. And if they don't, and if they don't, I just read a story the other day of a 40 year old in 2020, she had these symptoms. Uh, She was on the Today Show and she passed away, but um, you know, they, they, they told her it was nothing, you know, they gapped her off and she wound up finally, like my mom going to emergency room, they did a CAT scan and, and it was, you know, a lot of times when you're in a CAT scan territory and you're big and it's left the ovary and it's in other parts of the body, it's not good. I mean, they haven't updated the treatment protocol in 40 years. I mean, they, they try and try different stuff, but realistically, the same protocol, chemotherapy and what they call debulking surgery is the treatment of choice. And, you know, it's, it's a crap shoot. So... To to get to where you asked me, where where I came from with this is um, of why I wrote the book was um, a couple things. You know, one thing is that when we finally got the diagnosis, um, you know, my mom. It was weird. She had to go through all this pre-op testing, and basically, she had to play catch up um, for the last forty years of not getting blood tests, not getting mammograms, not getting a colonoscopy. So before she could be a surgical candidate, she had to go through all, this tests, all these tests and they had no baseline to look at it against. So that took time, right? So after she got through all these tests, we were scheduled to surgery. We're like, let's get this stuff out yesterday. I mean, she was scared, but we had to do what we had to do. And um, unfortunately, um, her uh, she had a, a platelet issue. You know, your platelets, the normal range is supposed to be between 200 and 400,000. She was 1.2 million. That's cancer causes that. So because of that, she was a stroke risk on the operating table. So, you know, we all showed up, my my dad and my sister and my son, you know, we're going to get this stuff out. And three doctors were in the room and they canceled surgery because the um, doctor who I called Dr. X um, actually, Dr. Z I had to change names. <laughs> Dr. Z was not comfortable with it. And, you know, at the time we were mad, you know, because it's like, okay. you know, you know, we can't you gotta get it out right. But we were like,, oh, come on, you got to do this. But she was right. She was right, and, and you find out later in, 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 the, in the book that every hypothesis, every thing that this doctor thought would or could happen, did happen. Eventually, you know, in the beginning, my sister and I would call her the Grim Reaper because it was like every time we spoke to her, it was it was bad news or this isn't a friendly cancer. I'm concerned about your mother's case. And we're like, come on, man, give it give us some hope, you know. But um, she was right in every call that she made. Um, so with that cancellation, they said, OK, you know, at that time, they were just going with a diagnosis because of the CAT scan. And she was also anemic. So the blood work. Um, so she said, okay, we're going to order a biopsy. You'll have the results in 24 hours. My mother was admitted. Four days later, not 24 hours, four days later, we're sitting in my mom's room. We're still, you know, kind of working on the whole hope thing. You know, you're, you're, you're Googling, you know, all this stuff about alternative care and what the statistics are of, of benign versus, you know, um, malignant and, you know, your, your mind starts going crazy and you know my sister and my mom and i are sitting in her room and a nurse comes in and she's got what what now is like covid protocol gear on she's got like a face mask she's got she's all yellow like she's dressed like she's going into you know um
0: we're warfare directive. you know yeah.
2: exactly and so my sister is like we're like can we help you and she's like Oh, Ms. Burns, I'm here with your chemotherapy um, to start your treatment. And we're like, what? What do you mean, what treatment? What, what, we didn't even know she had cancer. And this poor nurse was, you know, she just pulled the short straw, but we had no diagnosis. We had no doctor assessment. We had no staging. We had no prognosis. We had no nothing. So my mom immediately began to cry. And the nurse, you know, she was nice. I mean, she was just doing her job. My sister asked her, you know, again, this is 10 years ago. Why, why are you dressed that way? You know, what, you know, what's going on here? And she's like, oh, well, you know, we all know chemotherapy is poison. You know, it's, it is poison. I mean, it kills the bad and the good cells. She's like, I can't get this on me. And at the same time, she says, I can't get this on me. You know, give me your vein, you know? So that was, that was how we were told my mom had cancer. And it just kind of started at that point and just went south from there you know you know when my mom agreed to the treatment i got on the phone with her oncologist read him the riot act said basically you need to get here now and give us information this is not acceptable you know the whole thing you know he came over and he did you know he told us what they had found and all that stuff and you know what are you going to do you can't change it so what they decided to do was because my mom uh, had this—it's um, uh, platelet issue and was a surgical risk. They—it's it's not uncommon that oncologists these days will say, you know, we're going to give you three rounds of chemotherapy with the theory that it's going to shrink the tumor, therefore make surgery easier, n- not as not as a big surgery. So we're like, it sucks, but okay, we got to do what we got to do, right? So she did the first round of chemo and it was okay it wasn't as bad as she thought it was kind of a layup we got discharged and you know then you know started the 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 schedule to get to june and you know do a couple months and then possibly consider surgery in august and you know that that's that's kind of how things started wow. so um You know, and then I mean, I mean, I could just keep going, going through the story is that, um, you know, she gets, uh, she gets the second dosage in June. Um, and this whole time I was working, I was working full time commuting. My sister was watching my son. So like, again, another thing that I talk about in the book is within your, uh, family, everybody's going to take a role for me. It was, um. I often had to be the bad guy in the story, but we'll get more to that. But my sister took my mom to a lot of the appointments. She wrote down a lot of things in a journal. She updated family members in email. Like everybody had a role. My dad's old school. My dad does not handle stress well at all. So he came, he was supportive, but he was just, you know, trying to function because, you know, he he was 40 years with my mom. You know what I mean? So, you know, she had the second round in June, still doing okay. Um, but she was starting to waste. You know, cancer causes what they call wasting disease. You you never see a a heavy person with cancer, right? Because it eats the good and bad cells and all the calories that you intake, it it gets rid of them. So she was starting to waste mentally, she was not great. Um, I do have some some guilt looking hindsight because you know, at this stage, like, you know, she didn't want to eat. And, you know, we're like all trying to be positive poly and, you know, Ma, you got to fight, you know, you got to eat, you got to try, you know, a little bit of tough love, you know, try everything, green drinks, mushrooms, you you name it. We tried it mm-hmm. and um, she was starting to waste. And so she got the second round and we said, listen, she was ready to get the third round. And we said, <clears throat> we want to get a CAT scan before we get the third round of chemo because she doesn't look good. She doesn't feel good. She doesn't sound good. And we're not going to continue down this path if it's not working. So they said, okay, they did a CAT scan with contrast. And we were ready to get the third round of chemo in the chemo suite. They call it, by the way, it's called a suite. It's not a suite, but that's what they call it. And, um, my sister met with the oncologist and, they said a tumor shrunk in half. So we're like, oh my God, that's awesome. It's working. You know, that's amazing. Like we're doing the jig. So we got the third round of chemo. Week after that, my mom met with the surgeon who, you know, Dr. Z. And she looked at the film with the radiologist and explained to my family that the tumor hadn't shrunk at all. In fact, it grew. The chemo hadn't touched it at all. So we just did a third round of chemo made a sick lady sicker, you know, also consider besides physically, mentally, what that did to her mind and trust and hope. And um, we're like, okay, well, plan B, we need to get this out, you know? Um, So in August, um, again, she was wasting. And, you know, we said, we need to make an appointment. We need to get this out yesterday, just like now. When you try and get appointments, it's worse now, but with, with 3C, that means that it could be on the colon, it could be on the, the small bowel. So they needed to have a GI surgeon in there as well. Um, so you, have to, you had to get an anesthesiologist, gynecologist, oncologist, surgeon, and a GI doctor all together on the same day. This was beginning of August, end of July. They told us October, I said, well, what? October? She'll be dead by October. So, oh, we can't help you. (laughs) Bad answer. So, you know, my mom, my dad, and my sister were in the surgeon's room. And, you know, my, again, me and my sister polar opposites when it comes to this stuff. She's, you know, she was even keel trying to, you know, keep things calm. Me, I'm, I'm the firecracker. I'm pissed. And, um, all of the secretaries that schedule for the surgeons were in a room next to the, where the doctor's offices were. <clears throat> and, um, I just from the waiting room, I opened the door, I got a chair and I sat down and they <laughs> said, you can't be in here. And I said, um, I'm not leaving until you schedule my mother. And they're like, you can't be in here. And I said, call security. I'm not leaving, you know? And, Dr. Z knew that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to leave. I would have slept there. They would have had to pull me out, you know, by October she's gone, you know, and she was already suffering. So Dr. Z got on the phone. She starts making phone calls. She's pacing up and down the hallway. I'm I'm sitting in there. Nobody really wants me in there, but I really didn't care. And um, they wound up thankfully scheduling her for um, August 3rd. And, um, you know, she had to get, two weeks of, they call it TPN. It's like liquid food in order to be strong to survive the surgery. The night before the surgery, um, Dr. Z comes into my mom's room, it's late at night and uh, I'm there with my sister and she pulls me out and she's like, you know, I'm not really comfortable with your mom's case. I think it's probably gonna be palliative. And if you know what palliative means, that means um, not curative, Um, try to make the person comfortable you don't want to hear palliative when you're talking about cancer. So I'm like, you're telling me this now at nine 30 at night, she's a six o'clock case. But again, looking hindsight, I didn't want to hear it, but she was being honest. And, and I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that now. I didn't at the time, but again, you need to have transparency. You need to have communication. You need to know everything. And um, so she basically told me, she's like, you know if you know when your mom gets put brought down to the or if you see me in like an hour that means we opened her and closed her we couldn't do anything and so we arrived the next morning and i knew this but i wasn't going to tell my dad and my sister this i'm just sitting there like you know nervous as hell and just you know hoping that i don't see her come out soon and um, she came back 9 hours later so they they optimally debulked her. That's what they call it. They got everything um, <clears throat> except for microscopic. And I'm, I'm sure you've heard that before. And uh, my mom was in intensive care for a couple of days. Um, never saw my mother intubated. That was another thing where, you know, if you've never seen one of your loved one intubated, man, it, 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 it it's scary. And um, the good news was that she survived surgery. Um, she, she, um, they said they had got everything. And, um, the next step was to do inpatient rehab, you know, cause she had to, you know, move around. I mean, when they optimally debulk you, they pretty much gut you. I mean, they took out everything they could possibly take out and, you know, it, you know, from like her pelvic bone all the way up, she was, she was cut. And, um, so she went into inpatient rehab and, uh, you know, she was a waitress. So she was always, a a late person, she get home one, two o'clock in the morning. So, you know, having PT show up at eight o'clock in the morning and say, "Come on, you are got to get on the treadmill," she didn't really dig. But you know, you got to move. Um, we had a, I had an issue with one doctor in the inpatient rehab. She, my mom called me and she was put on another medication, and she's like, "You know, I feel really dizzy. I don't know what's going on." So I said, "What? What's the medication?" And thankfully, she was cognitively intact and. He put her on a uh, high blood pressure med, but my mom was always low blood pressure. She was called hypotensive. She's always running at like 100 over 70. So if a doctor gives you a high blood pressure med, he's gonna bring it lower. And what's gonna happen, you're gonna pass out. So I said, Ma, I don't take it. I'm coming over. Like This was just, literally, these little things that I'm talking about probably happened three times a week. I, and thankfully I worked for a job, a corporation that the executive vice president knew what I was going through. And said to me, "You got to leave. You leave. You need to take off a couple of days. We'll sweep up after you. Nobody wants to be in your shoes. Do what you got to do." So, I can't tell you how many times in eight months I just packed my stuff and you know left work and went to the hospital or or the physician's office. Um, so with that, I I left. I I went and I saw the prescribing doctor. He was in charge of the rehab, and I said, uh, "You know, you, you put my mom on hypertensive meds. Why?" And he basically my husband was right there. He's like, uh, I'm the doctor. You're, you're the family member. I know what I'm talking about. Don't question me. I'm, I'm wordsmithing, but that was his attitude. And I said, um, okay. Um, she's hypotensive. Did you read her chart? Um, you know what, because if she falls and breaks a hip, you're hundred percent responsible. And with that, again, these are the things you have to do. Like, you don't, you don't want to have to do them, but you got to do them. You're not going to get things to change if you make a phone call a lot of times, because as everybody knows, you're getting silicone Sally or you're you're waiting and you're three people deep to try and get a doctor. It's very hard to get a doctor on the phone. So I got in my car and drove over to the cardiologist's office. That's the person that managed her cardiac issues. And I just walked into the waiting room and they're like, you don't have an appointment. And I said, um, I know, but I need to speak to Dr. So and so. They're like, well, you don't have an appointment. I'm like, this is an emergency. And so she came out. She was like, okay, who are you? And I let her know. And she was like, why would he put her on a hypertensive med? I'm like, that's the question I'm asking you. And with that, she discontinued it immediately. And, you know, she got off, she got off the meds and, um, that was, that was that she got out of rehab and the next stage, uh, was supposed to be what they do cleanup chemo because don't forget they left microscopic in there. Mm -hmm. Um, cleanup chemo was impatient four days inpatient and, um, I was at work and, you know, my mom, you know, she, mentally, she was feeling better. She'd gotten out. She was, you know, healing. She was able to eat a little bit and, you know, let's just bang out this, this four patients of inpatient. Maybe I get my life back. Right. So she, um, they, they, the first day they, they hang the bag and everything's okay. But then I get a text from my sister. My sister's very conservative. She doesn't curse. Um, but in the text, it said F and terrible. And I'm like, so I Googled the meds. My, the, it's called I I Googled the chemo agent that they were giving my mom as cleanup chemo and printed it out, left work, went over to the hospital, took one look at my mother and she had every symptom of toxicity except coma and death. I mean, every symptom, you know, she was hallucinating. She was throwing up every time she moved. She was, um, it was, she, she, it was just her, her breathing was labored. It was bad. So it was September. It was labored Day weekend. And I knew that her oncologist had a boat and, uh, you know how we think up here, you got a boat, you're gone for the weekend, especially the weekend. So I called him up and I said, listen, before you leave, I need you to come to my mom's room and see her. Cause I, I don't think this chemo's good for her. And, you know, he came, <clears throat> he took one look at her. And, um, basically said, she was fine. He said, told me to stay off the internet. And, um, you know, unfortunately my family, you know, you, you have that white coat syndrome. I, what that means is, you know, a lot of people have it. They see somebody with a white coat on and they're the professional, they're the expert. You're going to listen to them because they know best. So my family were, you know, were like, okay. My mom opened one eye and said, I'll do the second, second bag. The next morning I get a call from one of the nurses. <clears throat> now we had been in and out of the hospital so much. I befriended a lot of nurses. That's so critical. If one of your loved ones is sick, you have to befriend your nurses, not only because you should just do it to be a decent human being. You do it because they are the connected tissue between the doctor's orders and your loved one. They can make or break your care. And we met a lot of good ones. And one of the head nurses that had seen my mother before, um, called me on my cell phone, it was a Saturday morning and said, you know, Melissa, you need to get here because this isn't the Connie that I know. Because don't forget, she had been in and out a couple of times. This nurse was sticking her neck out, you know, not just following orders. And I went there, um, saw the same thing. And, you know, now her regular doctor's gone and I have to get somebody from his group. Somebody from his group comes over, my father shoots over. My sister shoots over. We're all standing in the room. The guy comes up and he's, you know, he looks at my mom and he's like, "For Connie, we're going for cure. Um, for cure, we have to be aggressive and you got to keep going." And again, my mother opened one eye and unfortunately, I, I, I wish we didn't follow the orders, but she opened one eye and said, "Just, just you know, she was kind of like, just get it over with. You know, I'll suck it up. Just get it over with." So she got the second uh, round and um, I went the next morning and I went early. You know, another thing I say in the book, you know, if someone is sick and in the hospital and they're your loved one, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, go at different times. Don't always go at seven o'clock at night. Um, Doctors usually make rounds in the morning. They usually make rounds between seven and 10 before their office hours start. So if you can get there in the morning, that's when you're going to get a doctor, but you also want to go at different times because you might catch something. So I show up soon as, um, visitation starts mm-hmm. and I found my mom flat on, on her back. She wasn't elevated. Her arm was hanging off the bed and she had throw up coming out her mouth and she could aspirate. It. I, I, I've, I went from like zero to 110 seconds. Um, nurse came in, um, you know, and, and now, you know, at this point, I mean, she, she was poisoned and, um, now I don't trust you. I don't trust anybody here and I'm not leaving. So I wound up staying over. My sister stayed over. It was a horrendous weekend. Um, you know, she was hallucinating. She, every time she moved, she threw up. Um, it it was, it was God awful. And, um, Monday, afternoon comes around and who comes in but the guy that said she was fine on Friday. And uh, I'm leaning up against the bathroom door because my dad was there. And believe it or not, because she was so bad priests had been in and out of the room. That's how bad she was. And, um, and that's another thing. Like, whether you're religious or not, you don't really want to see a priest if you love one sick, because it's not a good sign. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he looks at me and he says, "Uh, You're right. You were right. She, She was toxic. And, and, you know, then my New Yorker side came out and I said, you beep, beep, beep. I'm like, I'm in reinsurance. This is your beeping job. And, and, and with that, um, she pretty much lost three weeks of her life. She was pretty much, um, you know, the, the toxicity and what it did to her. Um, she didn't get discharged for like three weeks after she was like in and out of consciousness, um, you know priest came in a bunch of times i um i had to call my husband he works in uh the bronx like three times to come come to the hospital because we thought it was it um you know it, it was bad she was toxic and you know with that um it was just a bad scene um unfortunately during the time she was in after the um the toxicity, she started getting ascites again, ascites is the fluid you get when cancer is growing. And so we're like, Ugh. so we got we said, you know, let's get a CAT scan because so they thought it could be a bowel obstruction. But let's get a cat scan. They got a cat scan and 31 days after she was optimally debulked, she had more cancer than she started with. So everything came back, and it was more. And what we found out later, going through the records and the pathology was that Not only did she have one type of carcinoma, she had four, and they they were sarcomas, which, um, you know, this is a, you know, I go back and forth. Had they done the biopsy correctly, they would have known that because when they did the biopsy back in the beginning, they only biopsied the fluid around the tumor. They didn't get into the tumor. Had they got into the tumor, they would have known it was a sarcoma. Maybe they would have used a different treatment. They only tested the water, the ascites around it. Adenocarcinoma carcinoma was the diagnosis, and that's what they treated with normal ovarian protocol. So when she heard the cancer was back, it was like, you know, thinking about it, like, you know, my mom, I think was going through everything for us, because she suffered the whole time, like there was no, I don't, I can't remember any happiness or good days throughout that whole process. Um, So once she heard that, you know, the only option was, a maintenance chemo and um so she's like all right I mean I've gone this far I'll, I'll sign up for it mm-hmm. um she did two rounds of that and uh around Thanksgiving you know nothing was working it was just bad um she was suffering she was sleeping most of the day and um you know we always said you know I, I knew my mom was doing it for us but ultimately it's always the patients or your loved one's decision when they're ready to say I'm done. And she was done. And so we got uh, hospice to come to the home. And um, the, the weird thing is, and, and, and again, I write about it in the book. Um, it, my mom prior to hospice coming was, you know, she was really sick and she was on pain meds. She was on benzodiazepines, which are anti-anxiety meds. So she was like out of it. But when Hospice came, it was almost like when the lady interviewed her, she was like, she had like a little bit of uh, bouncing her step back. She was more alert. She knew all her meds. She read down everything. She was, she smiled. She was laughing. She was, um, I think at that point, she was like sort of at ease because she was okay with it, even though she wasn't okay for us, but she was okay with being done. And so hospice came and um, you know, one thing about hospice, again, I, I, I try and float tips throughout just because I have so many is um, they're great. It's, it's an unbelievable organization. I could never do the job, but if you do have to engage them, try and um, find somebody that's dealt with the diagnosis that your loved one has. Like if, if, if your loved one is passing away of cancer, it's good to have someone with experiencing cancer. They have, you know, they have congestive heart failure. It's good to have somebody that has experience with the heart. And, and the reason why is because basically hospice comes every day and they do some basic vitals and they tell the family how close they think your loved one is. Um, every day that they came Saturday to Saturday, they told us today was going to be the day. So... The messed up thing is that you don't want today to be the day, right? But you know it's coming. And um, I remember the whole time my mom was laying on the couch like by by Wednesday, started on Saturday by Wednesday she didn't get off the couch. And um, I would sit in the chair in the living room, and uh, I would make sure her chest was rising up and down because I was nervous that it was going to stop. But again, the mind f thing is that that's what you're waiting for. It's like it's a weird space to be in. And, um, you know, we were giving her morphine and I remember at one point, uh, I I gave her the morphine and I asked my sister, I said, uh, you know, Alicia, is it, is it two milligrams or is it one? And she's like, I gave her two and she's like, oh, it's one. And I was like, (gasps) you know, like, oh my God. And, and, and the messed up thing is that like, if if you have experience with cancer and, and end of life stuff, morphine ultimately shuts down the central nervous system and that's how you pass away it it, quote unquote helps you pass away sooner and without pain we hope. Mm -hmm. So when I made that mistake, a part of me was like, did I help her? You know, Mm -hmm. you know, did I mess up or did I help her? But uh, you know, she, she lasted, you know, Saturday to Saturday and um, you Mm -hmm. know, the, it it sucked. And and there was a, a part where like me and my sister were like, you know maybe she's not gonna do this when we're here you know maybe we need to go but then you're like afraid to go because you want to be there like you're just in this you don't know what to do and um so you know that 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 really that really sucked and um you know she she passed away and you know they they came and got her and you know we went through all the the things that we had to do but it, <laughs> To answer your question on why I wrote the book is one night when my mom was inpatient for, um, she had, uh, bilateral pulmonary embolisms, which is clots in her lungs and DVTs in her legs, cancer causes clots. So we're in cardiology, which she had never been on the floor. And, um, um, it's after work for me. And, uh, she says to me, she goes, Melissa, she goes, never be stupid. Like me. She said, always take care of your health. And, um, you know, don't, don't like my mom had guilt because she was in the predicament she was in and maybe she could have prevented it had she gone, Mm -hmm. but finding out what I found out after the fact of the type of cancer that she had, I don't think she would have survived it either way. But the reason why I, I needed to write her story is because there was so many missteps so many errors so many miscommunications that i if i can help one family one person not go through what my family did my mother did my job's done I, i don't need to make money on books i just need the message to get out and to give people the tools on what they have to do if their loved one is ill and at the end of each chapter i write what I learned and what I would do differently. And it could be something as simple as, um, you know, your your loved ones being discharged. Um, They have cancer. They have anti-nausea meds. The nurse says she called into the local pharmacy, gets to the local pharmacy. It's not there. Now now you're in trouble because you left the hospital trying to get somebody who's going to forget it. You know, something simple, like don't leave the hospital without a hard script, you know, have it in your hand. Even though they said they called it, Get a copy. You know, I, 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 I flood the book with things like that, because it's things that we learn the hard way. You know, another thing, you know, my mom was in a teaching hospital, you want to be a good participant, and, and people have to learn, right. But this particular uh, thing, we, we stopped allowing students to see my mom. Um, because he, I, I was there, it was late at night, and he came in, a student came in and asked my mom her dnr wishes did she have a dnr and and what did she want for life-saving you know what does she want for life-saving my mom was jacked up on ativan and tired and sick and she just looked at him and she said if there's no hope i don't want anything with that he took his pen and he left and i looked at her i said ma i said you just told him if you have a cardiac arrest tonight they're not going to help you she goes no i didn't i said yes she did and so i went down the hallway i got him came back i said sir what did you hear she doesn't want anything so that means nothing no life-saving measures at all and i said that's not what she wants i said what she wants is what like a lot of people that i know want they don't want uh, a feeding tube and they don't want to be put on a vent for the rest of their life that's what my mom wants and he heard what he heard me and he he left with that Mm -hmm. so that was bad and 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 he fixed it and everything but then it gets worse because i'm leaving. And, you know, I was making sure everything was cool. Her IVs looked good and all that stuff. Um, and um, her name was Constance Burns. And I looked at her bracelet and it said another name, another barcode. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. So if you know anything about medical files, your meds, your prognosis, your doctors, your labs, everything is on that barcode. That's who you are. And I said, Ma, you could have gone down for angiogram at 2 a.m. and not even known it. And so I, you know, I wasn't thinking, I I called the head nurse, she came in, they cut it off real quick and put the right thing on, you know, throughout this whole process, I wrote um, to the patient advocate, every hospital has one. And um, she was very nice. And, you know, you'd always get the, we're sorry, you know, we're going to talk and do this X, Y, and Z, which is cool. But I wish, and, and I blog about this, that uh, patient advocates could be consultants because the patient advocate in a hospital is on the same payroll as the doctors. They're on the same payroll as people to pay their benefits. To me, that's a conflict of interest because mm-hmm. while they have their job and they have to do what they have to do, how far are they going to go? Because that's how they're getting paid. You know, and um, I can tell you that After all this happened, um, after a month later, um, I wrote to the CEO of that hospital and I gave him five out of the top 25 things that happened under his watch. You and I both work corporate. We know responsibility lies at the top. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not going to litigate. I'm not going to sue you. Um, My mom was very sick. I probably could have, but my dad and my sister didn't want to. <clears throat> but my dad has a $5,000 net, uh, bill. I'm asking you in good faith to wipe it zero balance. My mom, my dad's account because of this. And I, and, and I'm not, I didn't even tell you all of the mess ups that happened. And I wasn't sure what response I was going to get. I wrote it very professionally. Um, and in two weeks, I got a letter back, They zero balance, my dad's account. CEOs don't do that. They don't do it because by doing that, he admitted liability and he probably had to be surrounded by about 10 lawyers to write that letter. Um, But you know what? It was good. It happened. My dad didn't have to pay that $5,000 to me. The amount of my mom's care was probably easily half a million dollars. 5,000 is nothing, but it was, it was the principal, you know? And um, so you know, they zero balance my dad's account. And, um, you know, as we talked about, I mean, I have a master's in psychology. I did group therapy. I did, I ran groups. I worked in psychiatric emergency rooms. I did counseling. I worked in step-down houses. Um, I was terrible grief. I was, I was pissed off at the world for years. I, I was like difficult to be around. I mean, thankfully my son was young. I think he's the one that kept my act together. And, um, you know, I, I, people handle grief differently. I write about it in the book, you know, they say there's the five stages of grief. Now there's the seven, you don't go through them in any particular order. It, it, it all depends on who you are as a person. And, you know, I, 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 I didn't handle it well and it took me and, but also, you know, I, I had I had a, I had a, master's degree in this stuff why do I need help you know I'm, I'm too smart for this mm-hmm. I was textbook PTSD depression anxiety textbook but I felt like because my job was so good to me when my mom was sick I had to I had to keep working and they offered me to you know they were so cool they were like why don't you take six months mental health get, get your head together and I'm like no because I owe you because I've been gone so long you know I, I felt I felt bad And it was probably the stupidest decision I ever made because, you know, I was about a buck 10 and wearing size zero pants. And I mean, people at work knew. I mean, I would roll in at 10 o'clock because that's what time I felt like getting there. Um, I remember one of my my um, my manager, actually, at one point uh, we were in a meeting and she was like kind of schooling me on being late. And I just, I'm like, you know what? You're annoying. That's what I said to <laughs> my manager. Like, I was just, I just didn't care, you know? Um,
1: well, that's depression.
2: I mean- yeah. And I was just in that space for a really long time. And, and you know, I, I, I did wind up getting help. And it took, I, was, I went eight years, and I'm not ashamed to say it, because me and you couldn't be having this conversation. You know, I couldn't have the conversation without crying. Now I can, because I wrote about it. Going through the process of writing a book, It took me all this time because when I started, I was angry at the world and the first couple versions are terrible. Um, I finally was able to get it the right way I wanted it to, but then I still changed it a bunch of times and I added stuff and then COVID happened. So I had to have a chapter about that and how healthcare is now today and, you know, what you should look out for. And that's more of what I blog on a daily basis about is, you know, now um i mean i mean everybody knows i mean i don't know if you've tried to make an appointment with a specialist lately but you're you're looking at three four months people are presenting in er's you know staged out with disease because they weren't able to get that x-ray or cat scan for two years um you know we're in we're in a lot of trouble i mean i mean i i i tell people man if you can stay out of the hospital you know, because, and then, you know, you got the nurses. I mean, I, I wound up having something happen to me last October. That was a crazy thing. And I was in 13 days and I befriended a lot of the nurses and, you know, they're all suffering. I mean, they, they went through hell with COVID and they didn't sign up to be the person holding a cell phone with a person's dying loved one to say goodbye on FaceTime. Like they're all, they're all, a lot of them have PTSD. A lot of them are quitting because of that. A lot of them are understaffed, underpaid. And, um, you know, with the nursing shortage and everything else that's going on, you know, it's um, it's a problem. Like I had, my neighbor got sick in December and he has no family and he was really sick. And um, I, I, I had to, I went to go see him, I'm not vaccinated. So I had to get tested every time I, I, I went to go see him, which was okay. I'll do it. But, um, let me tell you something. I, he was, he wound up having an aggressive cancer, came out of nowhere, 68 years old, not a penny to his name, not a window to throw it out. And he didn't have any family. So he was in a, a hospital and I went to see him on a Sunday, brought him a Dunkin' Donut. He was smiling. ambulated to the bathroom. He was talking about beating it. You know, he he, mentally, he was good. Two days later, I go back because my uh, test was going to wear out. You know, I had to, I'd have to get another test. Mm -hmm. And, um, I I walk in and I'm not kidding. I find my, my friend, my neighbor, um, who I just saw two days ago, smoking and joking, looking on his Facebook. Um, naked in the bed no glasses on the call button not anywhere close to his reach and um crying out in pain and what they had done was because of the ascites he he had it in his abdomen they put a a shunt in his stomach which is very painful Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and he was he was he was one he had cancer they said he was going to make christmas and two he was he was suffering and um I walk in and I'm like, what in God's name happened in 48 hours. And so a nurse comes in very nice. She's like, you got to fight for morphine. And I'm like, yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, it it I've never seen anybody suffer so bad. I've seen people suffer. I've never, it was like watching. I mean, we put dogs to sleep. This, this was, this was God awful terrible. This is a grown man crying in pain, audible crying in pain. And, um, I I got on the phone, I started calling people and a PA came up and uh, she said, well, he's on PRN medication, which means you have to ask for pain meds. You have to ask, you have to tell them you're in pain and you got to ask for it. And I looked at her, I said, does he look like he's in any condition to ask for pain medicine? He didn't even know who I was. And, and so to make a long story short, um, I said again, I, I got to be that person. I said, I'm not leaving until you fix this. And um, you know, seven hours later, he got hooked up. And 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 I, I called his sister. I said, you need to get here because um, this this doesn't look good. And um, you know, I spent that time holding him down because he had such pressure because of the fluid in his abdomen. He felt like he had to go to the bathroom, and he was trying to go to the bathroom, but there's no way he was walking to the bathroom. And I kept like trying to make believe like it's okay. You know, uh, just, just go, just let it go. You know, don't worry about it. And, you know, the whole thing. And, and when I convinced her to get the narcotics, um, you know, I I asked her, I said, listen, um, we both know what's going on here. Is this going to have the effect that it's supposed to have? And and she said, yes. And, um, you know, they finally got it up and, and within 15 minutes he was asleep with his eyes open and I knew that was it. And he, um, I got the phone call the the next night that he had passed away. But the fact that I found him that way, it just wasn't okay. And, 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 you know, they said he was in this particular hospital because of COVID overflow. They're full of it. I walked around the floor. I would say out of 20 beds, there was seven with people in them, you know? And um, I, again, I, I don't like to make a a habit of this, but you know, here I go again, I got to tell somebody because this isn't, this isn't okay. And, um, I, I said to his family, I said, listen, it can come from you, but I'll write it for you, but he, somebody's got to know how this man was left. And, um, I wrote it, sent it to them. They didn't send it out. So I followed up and I said, you know, I'll send it out. I don't care. And I sent it out and, and he wrote back. He was very nice and said, you know, it's our job to, um, you know, make sure that, you know, end of life is as peaceful and as comfortable as possible, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, at one point, um, one of the nurses, cause she didn't want me there, not the good nurse, but the other nurse. And she was like, who are you? And, and, and I was like, don't worry about who I am. And I said, I'm his daughter. And I wasn't his daughter, but I had to say that. And, um, you know, I, I wrote it to the CEO saying, you know, um, at one point they didn't want me there. It was clear. They didn't want me there. I wasn't making trouble. I wasn't being ridiculous. I wasn't being offensive. I was just being, you have to fix this. This is not acceptable.
1: Another and, day.
2: um, and, 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 and he apologized for that. He goes, we should always, uh, treat our, our patients families with, you know, kindness and make sure that they are communicated with and, you know, the whole thing. And, you know, he wrote all the things that I needed to hear. I wanted to hear, and, and I hope I, I said I'm not even going to give you names. I have them, but you can just look at his file. I don't. I don't need to give you names. It's all in his file, and um, you know. So, like right now, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to um, say all healthcare is you know bad or all doctors are bad or any of that. But right now, um, you know, we are in a little bit of trouble, and advocacy is critical. You don't have to know everything about, you know, medicine or labs or anything like that, you just need to be a good listener. And you need to, you know, as I, I write a lot is find your voice, you know, um, it, it, it's you need to become comfortable being uncomfortable. and And, and I said this a lot, again, in the book is as much time as I spent in my mother's room when she was an inpatient, even though you're not being paid by the hospital, you are in the patient care team, just, just by being there. For example, if I'm there with my mom Saturday and Sunday for six hours a day, nurses come in once, once an hour for like five minutes, right? I know if she had breakthrough pain. I know if they gave her lunch and breakfast and she just drank half a boost the whole day. Like they don't, they don't um, write down calorie intake. It's not their fault. It's just not how the system works when you have cancer, that's critical. You know, I know if she mentally does not want to be a burden and needed something and didn't ask for it. I know if, um, she, she, you know, there's so many things that, you know, by just being there and, and, and with someone that's sick, they usually have multidisciplinary teams that meet on your loved one's case. And I said to them, I, you know, when my mom was going through this, I said, listen, I'm not trying to do your job. I said, but I said, there's things that I can tell you that I think will help you care for my mother. For example, do you know she was in the hospital for four days and she only drank one boost? That's important. You know, do you know that um, she was supposed to be on Zofran and getting anti-nausea meds and the nurse forgot to turn on the IV and she went six hours, Growing up, but just didn't want to bother anybody. So she didn't use the button, you know, things like that. Um, not to be a thorn in their side, but just to get them the whole picture. I mean, there was a point where my mom needed a blood transfusion. She's old school. She was worried about bills. She asked how much was blood. I said, ma, I'll give you my blood, you know, but, but a lot of times, you know, it, it's important. Like doctors don't have time. I get it to know every little thing about the patient, but as a loved one, there's a lot that you can add to their their care by just having open dialogue and communicating. I'm not saying give me a seat at the table for your interdisciplinary meeting because you don't want that liability. But if you don't want to hear me, let me just write write, write something down of what I've observed over the last week since she's been in because she's very sick because you know what, it might help you. And, 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 and I did that. Like there were times where I would send a fax where we were getting ready to go for an appointment and I would make sure that the surgeon got it before my mother got in to let the surgeon know what we watched for the entire week. So she could ask better questions, not, you know, or, or just probe where my mom wasn't going to be forthright with the information. Like it's, there's just, there's so much complexities to it. And, um, you know. It's just uh, so important and so much stuff that you sitting there just just can understand, you know and you know like when again, doctors make rounds. You know it's important that you're there. If you can catch them, that's great. You can't always catch them, but if you can be there, that's, that's awesome. You know um, Another thing people don't know. Um, in New York State, you can tape um, uh, doctor appointments on your cell phone. You just got to tell a doctor. And you're not taping it to get them in trouble. You're not taping it to catch them. But if you're not, if you don't understand the medical jargon and it's a complex case, you know, you might need to tape it just to better understand it going forward. Because a lot of times if someone is that sick, they're not listening. You know, my mom, I know from day one, she was just thinking about her mortality. Like, I I just know that, um, Again, I
1: think she was just going through the
2: motions. And Lisa I <laughs> know I just gave you a lot, right?
1: It's it's I have to say, I mean, it is overwhelming and and, and I, I, I didn't want to stop you because I you you are just going and uh it's just quite a lot. I mean, you know, that you had endured, your mom yes. specifically, your family. And this is probably you're not the only case. I mean, thousands no. of people are probably going through the same day in, day out, they're just not talking about it or, or maybe okay. if they are, they're limited to, to the circles they do. And they might, they maybe their voice goes into the abyss and no one is actually responding to them. And I think your mission that you, you chose to take <laughs> to end, and, uh, you know, really to, to, to just make it yours, uh, is 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 going to be a a life changer for a lot of people this message today this show will probably change lives and guide them and i i wanted specifically to let you go through these these different tips and i know the book has much more to (laughs) offer and we're certainly going to share that with people but i did want to go back you know and kind of break down on you know i know we've we're just about the hour but you know i don't care That's okay man
2: i'm flexible
1: yeah. Yeah. We can go beyond. So I, I'm okay with, with that as well. Cause I think there's more here. Uh, I just wanted to just clear for folks, you know, some of the new guys that might not know what taping is, just record it on your device.
0: <laughs> Cause yeah. I
1: know like some people are like, we are at school. I know what tape it is, but some of the new generation may think, you know, what the hell is that? You got to put tape on it. You know, just joking. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, so, yeah, No, the phone. Yeah. 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 Just record it on your device, whatever. But so, so first things first, uh, you know, there's some, Bad, a lot of bad things happen. Also, some good things happen. I want to highlight everything. But I think the first thing I want to start with is uh, the preventative piece.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and 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 you said it. And by the way, you were you were right on the money when you said that generation specifically did not care about okay. going to doctors. I had my dad. Same thing. Seventy three years never went to the doctor until the last moment where we he was diagnosed with terminal you know prostate cancer it was already done mm-hmm. so stage four it was metastized and that's it so so to your point that is the biggest mistake and a lot of the generation well that's generous specifically now there's more of education about preventative measures checking doing stuff and these are good things that we didn't have back in then one uh, it was just the taboo like i you know mm-hmm. the other one was i want to live my life happy without knowing and right. you know and because when when you know now you're disrupted and your mind is not the mm-hmm. same so Right. So I think so. So I think one of the things we can definitely just also emphasize today is the importance of preventative care, Uh, Mm -hmm. checkups, annual checkup, oneness visit. Make sure you check yourself, male, female, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Uh, Cancer is a, a real thing, is a threat. People die every day with this, this dilemma. People are diagnosed every day with this. Uh, I actually lost, you know, uh, my ex-wife passed with, you know, uh, breast cancer and my dad passed with prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. So, and it's not a secret. I mean, and I've seen both, you know, going through this, Mm -hmm. this almost the same ordeal, Uh, different scenarios, but similar, you know, uh, challenges Uh, and it's tough. It is tough. And, you know, I know everyone that has been afflicted with this. Will relate to this, you know, because no one can actually understand it unless you've experienced it. You hear it is one thing. Being in it is another story. And just seeing people deteriorate in front of you. And uh sometimes there's not much you can do. I mean, in your case, you had the power and you went through it and you really fought, you know, and you were side by side doing the thing. And you're right, the system is made in a certain way. And uh, if you don't know what you're doing. It will just manage itself, but then things may not work. So, so again, I want to just to highlight that first piece, which is folks, if you're watching and listening, uh, I, I, we wish you the best health and everything and your family as well, but also be aware, uh, take care of yourselves, make sure that your loved ones, you know, do the checkups, uh, ladies, you know, please do your And that's it. Pap smears, mammograms, all these things Mm -hmm. are done for a reason, you know, as frequently age groups also, you need to be worry about, you know, uh, aware about when you have to do certain things and certain tests, colon cancer, uh, you know, uh, colonoscopies, whatever, uh, -hmm. prostate, you know, checkups, all these things are there as measures and understand, you know, the different protocols that are available to you. God forbid you have seen, you know, something early prevention can, can actually be a long way. I mean, I I know a lot of people that actually had the similar problem, but because it was detected at the original at the, the onset you know they were basically removed and nothing you know the organs were done and you know no remission everything was good so it was perfect but but in the case of your mom unfortunately it was a little too late but again had she gone sooner you know obviously but again we can't go back in time it's, it's sure. unfortunate but we can you know educate other people to prevent this right. hopefully uh, not experience what you have experienced now the other part is uh, there are some things I want to commend, you know, here in the discussion, and there's some things that I want to really frown upon. So, so certainly you're right. I mean, unfortunately, healthcare, why it's a system, it is complex, and people are operating it. And when it comes to humans, humans, they're good, the bad, the ugly, and uh, you know, some do, some don't. Sometimes they're overwhelmed too. Uh, sometimes just the circumstances, you know. So there's so many factors. So I don't want to judge, but there are certain things to your point that should have been done. I mean, first of all, the diagnosis. Was wrong. I mean, they should have done more. Now, you didn't know that until, you know, further down. And, and that's the other thing. When somebody is doing, you know, go to second opinion, third opinion. I've had a few shows that we've talked about this where people, I had one guest who clearly three years was misdiagnosed. <laughs> and, you know, and, and everything that she was told and the treatment she was you know, going was going completely wrong and she didn't have to. And so, folks, be aware. I mean, don't just take your first opinion because you were told because this is it. Uh, if you're yep. not sure uh, and, and even for just, just to, to, to keep ease of mind, just go find some other, somebody, somebody other. got a different oh, yeah. system, a different doctor for find out for yourself. Second, third, get, get comfortable before you make that decision. And you know what, ask for everything that you can ask for. Don't just settle for the first day. And that's mm-hmm. another advice. I think that's aligned with you. And I think but yeah. listening to you, it's important to make sure. We I understand.
2: tried to get my mom to, I, I wanted her to go down to the city, um, but she just, she wasn't having it. She, she trusted, you know, where we are and, you know would it have changed things probably not but you know i i tried to get her to get a second opinion but
1: she wouldn't uh, but again you did but she didn't yeah. But 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 nevertheless we need to make sure that at least our audiences you know uh right. take the first one i mean this is uh, she didn't and then the outcome we know right uh, do Take it. You're not going to lose anything by getting a second opinion. And if you're worried sure. about yeah. coverage and stuff, if you have insurance, that's going to take care of that anyway. So at the end of the day, uh, you can also appeal these cases, even with the insurance. If you don't think yeah. that the first diagnosis is correct, you can, you know, ask for a second. And they have different pro- protocols to do this as well. Sure. So don't, don't, don't. You know, again, health is first. Before you can worry about the finances, because there's yeah. always ways to deal with that. I know that's a big deal, uh, but 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 certainly you have to deal with the situation, and you want to do the best for your, you know, loved ones. Uh, and yourselves get forbid, you know, so, so it's important. Right. Uh, the other thing is I, I want to tell you, I mean, you didn't mention something about the nurses, uh, you know, uh, that you, that you friend befriended, you know, while you were there. And I have to say, I mean, the doctors, they're great. They, you know, for the most part, they do their job, but then the nurses are the ones who manage the process Absolutely. and you're right. They do a terrific job and, and they are heroes. And, mm-hmm. and you mentioned something post COVID where today they're actually, there's a shortage of them and things like that. And it's unfortunately how it turned out for the nurses. They were, you know, uh, with with all these standing ovations and all the stuff, you know, originally. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they were like, you know, oh, you didn't get your, your shots, it's whatever. Terrible. Yeah. It turned. And something that you just alluded to that is, you know, when you talked about your friend, your neighbors, you know, when you mm-hmm. went and there's 20 beds and only seven filled, and they say there's no. That's because it's not the capacity of those; is the capacity of the staffing. There's not enough ratio staffing, and that's the right. problem. And and I think that's the other part. I mean, sometimes the nurses also get overwhelmed. But you're right; that that doesn't justify attitude. That doesn't justify yeah. negligence. In in your case, I mean, with your mom, the fact that she had a bracelet that is not hers. I mean, yeah. forget about it. That is not acceptable by any means. That's yeah. there's HIPAA violations there. There is yeah. patient rights violations. I mean, we can go over the laws here and, you know, it's not even funny. That's why, yeah, I guess the, 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 the CEO and the president would not even challenge you because that now goes I to the news. Was, if it, if yeah. you went to the news, it's over. Uh, yeah. and, and so so obviously they you to your point that probably 10, 10 lawyers just do it. Just keep her yeah. at, at peace. Get, get, yeah. get her out of your hair. <laughs> but, but I do. I mean that could be one scenario. It could be that he is, you know, or she is, you know, a good person and understand, you know, truly understands, you know, accountability and, you know, they they did the best that they could and trying to, you know, diffuse it, you know, with the least, you know, but certainly somebody, the idea from there, hopefully they would have, you know, retrain and coach these staffs, you know, and to make sure that there's protocols in place to prevent this. I mean, this is like, you know, you're having a baby and this switch your baby. I mean, it's the same thing. And you're right. All the diagnosis could be different. I I know it happened.
2: (laughs) I mean, I mean, I'm saying things I think today, like, I, I mean, just myself now, I mean, I don't know about you, if you've gone to a doctor lately, I mean, because even with the telehealth, because everybody's usually getting bracelets now, like in my experience, they ask every single person that comes into your room, lab technician, everybody looks at your bracelet before they give meds every single time. Even if you have the same nurse that's doing a seven hour shift. Every time she gives you medicine, she looks at the bracelet like they're trained now to do that. Um, this was 10 years ago, but, you know, it could have gone bad had they give, given her a med that was counteractive with what the meds that she was on. So, yeah, it was a big oops. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be cocky or arrogant. I mean, these are human beings. They mm-hmm.
0: People mm-hmm. make
2: mistakes. I mean, that's just the name of the game. I think medicine is... Part science, part art. You know, I mean, it's just people make mistakes, but you know, the the intent of this book is just to help people um, learn from what we did, and 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 like what you said. You know, I'm, I'm sorry about your dad and, and your ex wife. Um, the, the best part of the feedback that I've got on this book is if you go to Amazon or if you go to my website, um, so many people write in and say, "Man, you wrote." exactly how I felt, but just put it into words. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one lady was it, was, it was when I got last week, it was kind of funny. Um, it was a book buyer. And she said, um, you know, I had, to ch- I had a choice to make when I wrote the book. And, you know, was I going to drop a few F-bombs or not? And and I had to keep it real. I had to keep it me. So there's a couple sprinkled throughout. I, I don't go crazy with it, but there's a couple. And And the lady wrote, she goes, I, I generally don't like when um it's 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 in writing however the way the author uses it and in the places that she uses it it's as if she was my friend and we were talking on the phone in a conversation um about what was going on and um uh, she wrote uh i think that every medical school should this should be mandatory reading for them and that was like a great compliment you know and again i i, I be- a friend of lady in Florida, she's got stage four ovarian and she's doing great. Believe it or not, she's not doing the protocol. She's doing food and light and supplements and
1: holistic. Uh,
2: thank God she's doing great. And, um, she, uh, you know, she, she's, you know, a, a lot of people that have been through it, like yourself, you know, it does bring up some, some bad memories, but it, again, a lot of the feedback is, you know, you put into words what I felt, which is is good. But I also want them to learn and 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 be able have the ability to help their loved ones.
1: Well, thank you, and and we're gonna talk about that just briefly here. But but I just wanted to uh, the the concept of when I went through it, when at least with my father, right, seeing him deteriorating, and you you mm-hmm. standing with your mom and seeing her dropping literally quickly, you know, in her. And 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 sometimes feeling hopeless because there's nothing you can do. I mean, what you yeah. did was beyond. I mean, you you really were her patient advocate and and you're the caregiver in a way, but but now you're taking that same thing, but now you you know, almost broadcasting it to the world and you're making sure that other people have you uh, throughout your book as the advocate right. and maybe teaching them how to be a better advocate to their loved ones and themselves right. sometimes to speak up. Uh, one thing, I mean, w- we talked about diagnosis, we talked about the, the care and all the different things, but the other part is the choices. You know, when mm-hmm. you talked about, like, for example, you discovered this the wrong way
0: uh, mm-hmm. and
1: that was a, a huge mis- mishap. I mean, it shouldn't have happened that way. First of all, you don't just discover this, like the person's coming out of space, suit, you know, and walking in, you know, with hazardous, right. you know, has met, you know, suit, you know, into the the, the, the the room and telling you like you have this and you didn't, yeah, you know, that, that, was that, that was super bad. That also psychologically will have a super impact, you know, a bad impact on your mom to just, right. just find it that way. And, uh, and now you have to make decisions. That's a tough one, right? It's, it's very, yeah. very difficult. Um, you know, so, so again, unfortunately it got missed, you know, from the get-go. This should have been given to you guys in advance. Knowing, and you have the ability to decide at the time: Do we want to go to chemo? Do we want to do radiation? Do we want to do holistic, and maybe nothing? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I I have seen, and this is this is not me saying it. I've you know, it is big discussion out there. Uh, some people, when they do the chemo, they basically get deteriorated quicker than if yeah. they don't, and the outcome sometimes is still the same. Not everybody survives chemo. Uh, sometimes the cells, you know, I mean, you can do other means, and I've I've mm-hmm. had people who have chosen the non-medicine you know level gone to like maybe eastern medicine and, and holistic mm-hmm. they were able to to kind of overcome uh, the yeah. cancers and stuff so but but that decision has to be you know made in advance and not get into it because once you're in that cycle again yep. uh, when i when i talked to about my ex-wife you know and we were separated but we were friends mm-hmm. uh it it, it happened and, uh, the, the first time she went through the whole thing and she didn't, she, she, she was okay, but it was back. And then they gave her also another set and then she just couldn't make it with that thing. I mean, it just destroyed her. Yeah. And I can tell you, I've seen her like really getting again, a bad mm-hmm. and worse. And, and that's the part that is very difficult. Anyone, again, it's, it's, it's as bad as, as it gets, you know, so mm-hmm. don't, don't get caught up into it. Find out alternative medicine if you have to. And, you know, again, they're going to do what they're going to do. Those are protocols, but there's a big debate about whether they are the right ones or not. They do they save lives? you know, potentially they do. I mean, there's people that actually can swear by them and they've gone through the, the protocols and they had, you know, survived and they became better. But not everybody, at, at her age, that's the other thing, age can make a difference. Sure. Somebody is new is one thing, you know, you know, but might be younger, whatever. Somebody is older, that's a, a, a problem, right? Uh, so it all depends on a lot of circumstances. Uh, the other part is, you know, when you're talking about the advanced directives, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that's important also to emphasize the idea that, you know, everybody should have, like i had a show about trust and will about you know uh proxies you know you don't you want to have these things in place you never know uh i mean whether it's your bank or your healthcare, it doesn't matter you have to have documentation of what you want what you don't understand what that means as a matter of fact i just had a discussion like with my doctor this week last week and you know we talked about like for, for my, my mom and, you know, even for me and, and my wife and what should those documents be and, you know, what it mm-hmm. means to have one versus the other and yeah. to have them ready. So just in case, because like you, you're you there today and like with COVID, your point, you know, people were here right. and they just wound up in hospital and can't even talk to their loved ones. And to your right. point, here's the intubated. That's it. Done. Yeah. Uh, and that's the other part. Like, you, what do you do? I mean, uh, it is a tough decision. You know, once you, And so I had my doctor explain to me, like, you know, what's the... What's the benefit of doing this? So you have the control. You can say yes. You can say you can have them live with dignity, but you also have the the ability to no. I don't want to do this. I want to do this. Right. So you have controls. And, yeah. and to your point, when she said that, he walked whatever he he expected her to what what we his perception of what she stated. So again, these are important pointers, and I know you have all these details in the book. So so it's in, it's super important that people can use. It. I mean, the idea that you mentioned, I love it that the book could be actually taught in 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 in, in med school and maybe yeah people are listening and watching if you are one of the executives out there maybe you know this is something maybe be the first leader to to maybe entertain and read the book see what's in it i mean there's definitely value here you know just just listening to the story and i haven't read the book but i can just from your your perspective it makes sense i mean and even if it's just an anecdotal book let's just call it that way right for them mm-hmm. it's still going to be something you always had to learn something if you had experienced it then maybe there's something to be done to prevent some of these things. For me, as, yeah. as, as a leader personally in an in, in, in executive office, I can tell you feedback is important to adjust mm-hmm. things and make difference, right? So if you tell me, like we do surveys all the time, to see what's going on, what's wrong, so we can address mm-hmm. those operational issues and, and training right. and so on and coaching so we don't you know, get the same problem over and over. As a matter of yep. fact, so, so it is not a secret. You can read this. this is Consider this a survey book, right? <laughs> consider this an extra satisfaction survey, you know, review. I mean, right now, reviews are the biggest thing, right? You, everybody's about yep. reviews. This is the biggest review and from somebody, listen, I can give you, I mean, I had this, this true story happened to me a long time ago at a hospital where my mom had a surgery uh, they said they removed the gallbladder and everything, and then seven years later we discovered the gallbladder was still there. <laughs> so I can tell you, I mean, it was like it's, it's either a miracle and the thing regrew, or there was a mistake. Mm-hmm. But whatever yeah. it is, it was past yeah. the status, the the, the status of uh, what do you call it? Um, of limitations was actually passed, sure. you know, the Statue timeline. Of, yeah. Yeah. statute yeah, of limitations was passed. The, the, it's time frame. So we can do anything about it. And, you know, it's not even about lawsuits. It was just to address the issue and find out, but it was, out. and I have it on video. I have all the stuff. And, oh, yeah. but, but, but the point is, I mean, like, you know, sometimes don't be naive and, and just this, I learned that trick too, where when we, we, we trusted the system and then we discovered mm-hmm. that it was not really to our advantage at the time. So, so, don't do your due diligence. Don't let you know. Sure. Don't let anything anybody fool you. Just do it. You know, it's not going to hurt you to do more, and just to make sure that you kind of cross the Ts and dot the Is, and, yeah. and this way you're good. And then I, I want to also just uh, just focus on on the topic of patient advocacy here. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. You was mentioning something powerful that we have patient advocates in hospital systems, but the conflict piece is like you know they have to be super ethical to actually still deliver knowing yep. that it's going to be even against their stuff and bring it to the board and bring it to stuff. Now they are trying mm-hmm. to do that. But to your point, if they make too much noise at all times, then, you know, there's a good chance they're not going to be employed eventually. Somehow, somewhere they'll find a way out. Right. right. So, so outside folks, you know, the general public, you know, you can be also your patient advocate and and and, and talk. I mean, you talked about your neighbor. I mm-hmm. mean, that the fact that you went there and he was in that position and, and it's just, it's not horrible to see that. I mean, no. I mean a lot of stuff that you mentioned that is really butchered business. I mean it's just bad business and 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 it's really because of of just various reasons. I mean if we go back in time and we can see what happened everybody's going to give you a reason why it happened the way it happened. Mm-hmm. You know and every Sees, they all, we all see it from our angle, right? We don't see mm-hmm. it from your lens. I'll see it from my version of things. We can say the same thing, but you see it one. I see it. You, know, you say this is yellow. I say, yeah. no, it's orange, right? That's it. <laughs> that's yeah. a, we can argue about it, but at the end of the day, uh, you see it. So, so being a patient advocate is being a voice for people that cannot speak up for themselves. You're right. You, you articulated everything that everybody else. And that's the other thing. You see this all the time. You have 10 people that are right. seeing the same scenario but nobody wants to talk about it because they all like shy right. or they just they are afraid of the, the backlash. What's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're just brave enough to stand up and go to the room. Like what the hell going on here? Right. That's exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I,
2: it, I changed, I changed the, I didn't name the facility. I changed the names and you know, the, the funny thing is, is the, the GP who I, I called Dr. Cool in the book. Um, he was one of the first persons I delivered the book to. And, you know, I was a little nervous because it's a lot of his colleagues and, you know, I saw him about a month later. I'm like, so how'd you like it? He was like, I loved it. You know? So I was like, great. You know I mean? My, my intent is not to, um, you know, beat up these doctors. Um, it's more of, um, you know, just to raise awareness of the things that could happen and they happen a lot and there's ways that we can reduce, um, the amount of times they happen. Um, and you know, how, you know, you can just by by being there, by being present, by communicating. You know, you really can have a significant positive impact on the outcome of your loved one. Um, and not everybody has that person, um, but it, you know, if if you do, you're you're lucky. Especially in days like this. I mean, I mean, COVID when you could have no visitors. I mean, that's that's scary. I mean, not only is it scary because it's a pandemic, it's scary because you, you can't you can't see any of your family you don't i mean we don't we don't nobody knows what happened you know and that's a whole
1: nother show <laughs> well it is and, and and you know unfortunately unfortunately i mean uh, after the, the the pandemic now we've learned a lot of tricks that we didn't know about before i mean obviously we had to go through this ordeal and a lot of tragedy uh, yeah. i know that it god forbid if if anything close enough happens, people wouldn't know to address it differently this time around, if sure. ever. And hopefully that never. So I don't want to jinx it. You know, let's hope for you know the next few you know decades to have less. You know, yeah. maybe maybe in a hundred years I don't know, but but let's not you know wish you know bad on that. But the fact of the matter is, like to your point, people went to the to the hospitals not knowing that they were going to be locked down, They'd not knowing yeah. that they're going to be pushed out, and and their families will be down. So it happened so quick, and 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 unfortunately, some people just didn't come back because right. circumstances, mistakes were you know made there's so much discussion about that as well i mean it's not as obvious you're not hearing about it on on the ma- main media but you can read about it blogs and you know articles there are a lot of voices out there um and but at the end of the day to your point uh, uh these these things the books the the blogs i mean although i love the blog maybe you know you and i can talk about that blog <laughs> yeah. uh, you know of, of of the air here but but the idea is really uh, i i commend you for doing this and 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 being a voice uh and and really to your point and thank you for saying i mean Listen, uh, there's nothing wrong about, about making money from your production here. But at the end of the day, uh, I think the message itself is the key. And, and like you said, you are articulating, you are state, stating what people are not able to. And, and also giving tips about what not to do and what to do correctly so you can avoid any of the bad, you know, uh, uh, experiences that you've, you, you've gone through, you and your family and anybody else. And, and by the way, again, just something about, you know, I want to just in a good note. I don't think doctors do this maliciously because you know it's their license. No, or not. that's not what sure. they do. Yeah, things happen. I mean, it's just overwhelming, and you know, and there are no guarantees. Yeah. I mean, they do the best, and I, you know, and I, again, I I know that some experiences are what they are, but they do the best under the circumstances, mm-hmm. and sometimes they they also human. They can make misdiagnoses. They can do yeah. stuff. That's why it's always important to check. You know, learn and and do more, um, and 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 frankly, you know. Uh, they like i said at the time they see it from their angle they think that's the best course or whatever that's their learning you know curve uh you know even doctors if you see someone that is fairly new in the practice versus someone that's been 30 years like you know my last show uh mm-hmm. the 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 advice is different you know the actual sure. yeah. demeanor is different from the providers because they know it differently they have a different spin on things they've been around they've seen it all and they understand different ways uh bad manners change everything changes right so so you know it's that kind of thing but but at the end of the day, they try help and and again cancer specifically is i mean we we still there's no immediate cure to it now although everybody's
2: different they probably have one of the toughest jobs it is ever you know i mean I mean i can't even imagine being a pediatric oncologist you know um you know i've i i did a lot of reading about you know in some journals about you know oncology and what they do and their training and 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 i softened up um my tune As you can see in the book, but you know, in the beginning, um, you know, it it, it was tough to to get over some things. But um, you know, they have a hard job, and like you said, there's no guarantees. And um, you know, I think you know, ten years later, I think that there's more people that are open to not only relying on Western medicine and looking to some Eastern medicine alternatives. Um, You know, there's there's so many things that they're finding out now. I mean, hopefully they'll just continue to, you know, improve the game, you know, and, and survival rates and and stuff like that.
1: Well, I mean, there are are breakthroughs every day and, and they're they're getting there. I mean, I know, Uh, You know, there are a lot of people that are anti chemo and radiation Mm -hmm. therapy and stuff, you know, and although that has been the more, and then there's just debates about it and and why, because it is a medical thing. It is, is it a drugs, you know, and there's also pharma involved in there. So there's, you know, we can talk industry, we can talk politics, we can talk a lot of stuff that can be driven, driving some of these decisions and some of these protocols. But, but uh, there are many doctors, even that happened with COVID, you know, vaccine versus no vaccine. And, you know, some just right. for the standard, you know, uh, antibiotics and all this hydro and, mm-hmm. and some of these other, you know, medications that were, you know, working in Europe and um. so there's that debate. So that debate is always going to be there and they're mm-hmm. going to have both sides of, of, of the spectrum. Some are right. pro, some are, are against, but, but again, not, not the core of the discussion today, but the fact is, you know, that people should look at all the options. I mean, that's, that, I always mm-hmm. say this, um, you know, We have a choice in every day of life and we have choices, not one, not, you know, we have plenty of choices. We just have to to explore each one of them and then make a good informed decision that makes sense. And then you can make that, that, that step you know, and whatever that trigger that you're going to pull, you pull it. But but again, don't yeah. just go blind and just take the first, you know, oh, you mm. can only do it this way. If that's the only way then, you know, I can tell you, I can assure you there's no such thing as one way. There's many ways, yep. uh, you know, as there's multiple ways to skin a cat, right? There's so many, so many ways you can do anything out there. And so just, just do stuff, reach out. And there are, uh, there are groups also out there that advocate for patients and yep. things like that. But again, sometimes people get—you know. By the way, I wanted to commend your work. Uh, you know, the the people that you work for, because understanding where you went through—that's true. You know, sometimes leadership—you know—some uh, some oh, some, some employers can be uh, you know, sensitive, uh, mm-hmm. there's empathy there, they care and, uh, you know, they uh, accommodate and some sometimes cannot, but the fact that they were there for you, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And oh great. yeah.
2: And I had a lot of responsibilities. I mean, I would travel around the country twice a week and, you know, the EVP was, we were in cube life and the EVP sat right on the other side of me. So he heard a lot of my phone calls and he was just like, you know, do what you got to do. And, and, and i this christmas um with my christmas cards to a lot of the people that you know were there for me I, I sent them a book and you know with something written inside of it because you know they they were definitely game changers you know for me and 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 i know that i was very lucky because not many people would have had the latitude that i had to come and go as i needed to and you know i mean almost the whole office showed up at my mom's wake you know it's it, it, i was very very lucky to to work with and who I work through. I mean, and, and just to get to your point about um, different ways of doing things, and I know we're running late, but um, I met a woman recently that had a tumor behind her eye. She went to two um, very reputable surgeons in the city um, to get, you know, what are we gonna do? One doctor suggested to go through the eye and get the tumor out through the eye. Another doctor across town said that the best way to do it was to cut the top of her scalp off and get it through the top of the scalp, the tumor out the top of the head. And um, she wound up getting it through the eye. And when we were speaking, I, I, I talked to her and, you know, and, and she, she, she made a, a statement that resonated with me. And she said, her, her doctor said to her, if you're moving out of a house, um, do you move the furniture through the front door or do you move it out the roof? You know, I mean, that, that, that's how d- different um, suggestions and and um, diagnoses can be. I mean, th- I mean that that's night and day. I mean, considering you know going through the eye then your versus cutting off the top of one's head, you know, and that's that's why I mean that that's a that's a you know a, like almost a 360, and and a, that doesn't happen all the time, but it's 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 why you know as you said, insurance nine out of ten times will cover it you know, getting a second opinion. Um, in fact, sometimes they, if, if you're really sick, they they want you to because it could potentially save them money.
0: Mm-hmm. If,
2: if, if, if they get a, a, a different procedure, you know, maybe they get something done robotically that, that that's that's cheaper, quicker, faster, and you're not an inpatient for a week, you're an inpatient for three days, you know? Well, insurance as as you know has a lot to do with it as
0: well
1: well i can go one more i mean insurance companies they all have medical staff you know and there's yes. usually medical directors or chief medical officers and nurses on board and yes. and they're they surgeries don't happen overnight, you have to get authorization Mm -hmm. and they they have to look at the diagnosis and see what options are available. So sometimes they may refuse one, deny one, but then give you other alternative options that they see fit. So so again, inquire, that's the thing, know Mm -hmm. that you have the possibilities and you have the access uh if you do it correctly you should have very you know smoother way of of going about these things uh but you have to speak up that's the other thing you don't speak yeah. you're just you know just no voice i mean the, you don't yeah. exist you got you know that's the thing having a voice and and really advocating is the key and and again like i said i commend you for doing this i mean you know it, i'm sure it was to your point you had a grief period and and you and, oh, yeah. and i know it's it's a tough you know time and it took a, a minute everybody has their own You know, pace how they can come out of it. Some people react differently. And Mm -hmm. and I think you you released all that, you know, in the book because now you I did. It was therapeutic. (laughs) It
2: definitely was. I mean, I had, I mean, I was a nut. I mean, I had every single medical piece of paper file she had in a spreadsheet with everything it said. I mean, I had it all. And um, you know, I I wasn't gonna make the book where I used a lot of medical jargon because that's not the uh, an average person's vocabulary, but um you know, I mean, I just, I didn't want to miss anything. I wanted everything to be, you know, exactly the way things happened. And I even, again, it it took longer because, you know, in the beginning, I write a letter to my mother and I tell her what happened over the last 10 years and how I, as her daughter, screwed up as far as the way I grieved and, and, you know, the things that I did and, and, you know, just, just trying to, you know, let my readers know that, uh, even someone with a fancy degree is not going to get it right, you know? And, um, to there's share a, that.
1: It has nothing to do with it. I mean, you know, you can have all the degrees. I mean, emotions are another story and, and everybody's yeah. different. Uh, and, uh, there's religions, there's different levels of people and how they see the world that, and you know, disease. And, and so everybody ha- handled it differently. And you know what, you did it the way you could do best. And and eventually it, it, it gave us this book and a legacy. So in the memory of your mom, this is actually something that, you know, uh, is going to, survive her and actually help a lot of people and you know in a, that in itself is a noble thing and i think uh you know people will will live by this you know over you know time and and many people will be actually uh i guess uh happy about the fact that you did this and and that your grief wound up in in the solution for a lot more to prevent them from grieving the way you, you did that's what, what is going to going you know? yeah so,
0: that's, so, that's so, my goal
1: well you're doing it and so so one thing i mean i can you can you show i think that's the book behind you is that the book behind you
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, My little, my little green room. This, this is, uh, this is, that's actually me, um, on on Myrtle beach. My son took the picture and, um, you know, I have a website, um, com, and I, I keep, I have, I try and blog every day. I do newsletters, um, you know, about emerging issues. Um, yeah. So I, I try and, uh, I try and, you know, at least once a day, You know, react to something, and it's not all cancer. It's 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 all over the place. Um, This morning, uh, today is National PTSD Awareness Day, so I just talked about that, and you know what our veterans are going through, and you know certain organizations that are helping them, and um, you know I I try and stay stay on topic.
1: Well, thank you. So, so the book's name is not in vain.
2: A promise kept yep
1: uh, yeah so i i love that i mean you know i mean everything that happened did not happen in vain and and now people can actually benefit from it and i that's that's a, that's a really beautiful message right there and, and a, yeah. a great name great selection so <laughs> thank you for doing it um you know that. well listen melissa it, it's been real uh, thank you for 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 this time i mean uh, like i said I, I i i could have you know interrupted but it was you or the flow was there so i wanted to actually I'll wait until the end it's a little harder for me because i have to to repeat to remember everything that i need to talk about but uh, we did it i think uh you know you you've delivered the great message for folks out there. And I think it was positive overall, everybody, you know, if you're not, if you're doing something, you know, not, you shouldn't be doing, you know, maybe it's time to learn and hopefully, you know, adjust And there's nothing wrong with that. We all can make mistakes and and recoup. Uh, And, and if you, you know, this in advance, you can even prevent things, whether Mm -hmm. in practice, whether in health. I mean, I think your message is just, you know, resonate with everyone. So, um, so thank you for doing that and keep up the great work. Thank
2: you for having me. And, um, you know, when I, Get my the things we talked about going on my website with the um, the, the questionnaires and the, uh, the, the the takeaways that folks can get. Maybe we could reconnect.
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, we can do that. And uh, yeah. so so again, I will have the, the 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 link to the book and your website on the description of the show, so people can actually access it directly, and hopefully yep. they can benefit from it. You know, and uh, read it. Is there an electronic version of it, or just sure? Just sure.
2: Yeah, it's uh, actually it's a dollar ninety nine on Kindle right now. Um, and uh it's electric um, electric <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: it's yeah, electronic it's a
2: yeah. uh, hard copy it's soft copy um you know uh yeah it's, it's available you know where all books are sold you can get it on my website you can get it on instagram you can get it on facebook Beautiful. um you know again it's um I'm, I'm i'm very blessed with the feedback so far and um it's real you know, I, I, um yeah that, that that's the whole thing it was just again you know not to sound you know whatever but i i needed to keep it real and 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 i did and you know it's it's the only way i've ever been able to be even in corporate america i, I never really fit the mold but i i, I was able to, to to get through and i had a great job but i i never really fit the fit the corporate mold and and my friends would laugh at me about that but
1: well you're, you're, you're straight up and, you know, you, you don't do diplomacy. You just go, go right to for the kill. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. You know, and, and, and again, some people can be diplomatic, some people can, and that's okay. I mean, we need both parties, right? Both sides of the spectrum there. nowhere is there. Uh, you know what? I mean, you're doing it and it's making a difference. That's, a matter, that's what matters. That's all.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: Melissa, thank you so much for your time today. And, uh, you know, you. I, enjoyed, I enjoyed every minute of this and, uh, you know, we'll keep in touch, folks. Thank Definitely. you for yeah, folks thank you for being with us for watching and listening today hope this uh, show is very educational very uh you know uh, there's plenty of resource for you so uh you know check out the book check out the the site and for me we'll be talking soon new guest new day new show new topic bye for now